Welcome back to the Charlotte Soccer Show. It's a historic edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house with you on this beautiful Monday afternoon, late afternoon in the Queen City. And we're, of course, back at a familiar recording spot, OMB Beer Garden. We're back in the garden, baby. What are we drinking? Cheers. Uh, We've got a special beer today we've got a tribute beer in the glass and it is of course the award-winning unfiltered suddenly sweet wheat ale with fruity notes of banana and spice i thought i tasted some banana in there it's the hornet's nest hornet's nest baby omb hornet's nest great beer one of my faves that they do here and uh, we're drinking it for a reason we are drinking it for a reason if you listen to Last week's episode of the, the Charlotte Soccer Show, you heard um, about the hornet's nest of rebellion. A little history lesson, you know? I love sports, but I dabble in history. You can always count on Danny Brams to, to teach you something. And he taught me something last <laughs> week. And I hope he taught some of you as well. And you could call it a coincidence, I guess. But the TIFO. Right. At the, ba- the banner match. that the supporters put together referenced the same thing we referenced in the podcast. It was almost like it was meant to be. It was meant to the, be. Charlotte being the hornet's nest of rebellion that drove out the British and uh, basically made them not bother, really, with North Carolina for a lot of the Revolutionary War. Well, let's just get to the uh, the point real quick of the show, and it's three fucking points. Okay? We got three points, baby. First win in Charlotte FC history. Feels amazing. It, it feels better than amazing. I had watery eyes in the stadium. Not after the first goal. Not after conceding a PK. But after Swiderski's brace, I was just like overwhelmed with emotion. It, it was everything to me. It's somebody that we've talked about so much. We talked about how he was putting himself in positions to make an impact on the game. And he owned the game on Saturday. He earned his nickname, King Carroll. You know, King Carroll, I love it as a nickname. Some people are going with Swigolski, which is a little tough to get out, out of the mouth for me. So I just like King Carroll. I'm a big alliteration fan. He got us the three points. He earned uh, every bit of hype that came with him so far coming into this designated player situation for a new club. And uh, he's got to keep doing it, but he finally showed us everything that he can do, and I'm, I'm very impressed. A lot of people were impressed. You could see it on his face, the relief. Yeah. The, yeah. He, the reason why he scored in the sixth minute is because he walked onto that pitch with an absolute purpose. Right. It's something that we've talked about, and... We'll get into Miguel Angel, the way he set up the squad in order to help Carol Swiderski. It worked, right. by the way. Spoiler alert, he's our favorite coach in MLS. <laughs> by a long margin. And he, 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 he distanced himself from the pack again this past weekend. Well, he was the best coach he in was the, the coach, MLS. He was the coach of the week. Yeah, exactly. He won the award. Carol, part of the team of the week. Didn't get player of the week. Maybe should have. Uh, that's just more reason for the chip on our shoulder, which I know we're going to talk about. You know, Charlotte versus the world, Charlotte versus MLS. Uh, we we feel, even after this win, I don't feel like we've gotten enough respect. We've gotten some props, and, you know, people are starting to finally maybe not treat us as a joke, but I still feel like they're not giving us what we deserve. There's a lot of negative energy surrounding this club, and it's coming from outside From outside, from outside. yeah, yes. exactly, yeah. Right, it's coming from, to steal a phrase from the new USC coach, Lincoln Riley, it's coming from the outside world. <laughs> if, if you're in Charlotte... You'll know that 
there's a lot of positivity being built around this club. On Sunday, I was going around doing some errands. I actually, I stopped up here at OMB to meet a few people. Then I went and got some coffees or whatever. I was I was wearing my my away kit, you know, the next day, sort of in celebration. I was wearing the black and mint, and I no, every place I went, someone pulled me aside and said, "Oh, did you go to the game? Oh, they look pretty good. Oh, the, the excitement was building." I started just like random people were pulling me aside because they saw me wearing a, a kit and they want to talk about the team. It's amazing. That's what a win does for you. The, the chip on the shoulder that you mentioned is is it smaller? Is it bigger? For for me, it's bigger. I'll tell you why in just a minute we have to talk about the formation we have to talk about the starting lineup and we have so much to talk about on this edition of the show uh, we're so happy that you're here and by the way thanks for the five star ratings on apple podcasts we love them thanks for the reviews cheers to that cheers to that absolutely right we've seen uh, some reviews popping in and 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 please drop us a note let us know what you like about the show rate us five stars it really helps us get the word out about the podcast because we're doing this for the people all you have to do is listen to the trailer episode football's for the fans and we're here mm -hmm. for the fans we are supporters ourselves and and there is no club without the fans that's exactly that, that's right. why this feels like a win for all of us so we weren't out there on the pitch obviously we're not professional soccer players but this felt like a win for every single person that has dedicated themselves to this club and we certainly fit that bill didn't happen in dc we were there it didn't happen on opening night didn't even score a goal we were there it almost happened in Atlanta 1-1 late in the match going for the winner but in but instead our hearts were broken so we showed up to and Bank we were of, there yeah we were there as well we showed up to Bank of America Stadium on Saturday full of hope full of energy full of excitement and for me that started when we were in Romeo Bearden Park right the, the party always starts at, at, at French Quarter, Romare Bearden for us, and we invite anyone that likes the podcast to come meet us there. That'd, yeah. It'd be awesome to get a, a meetup going at some point. You know, we have hump, you know, not expecting anything huge, but anybody that shows up, we'll party with you for sure. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's, it's at John Hayes and on air on Twitter. It's at Danny Brams. Send us a tweet. You might, even a get a, you might even get a ticket out of me. You know, you know I, I'm, I usually have an extra ticket that, that's ready to give away. You know, you never know. But uh, you mentioned that that positive feeling started right then for you. And I saw it. There was a twinkle in your eyes. We started <laughs> checking our phones and saying, oh, here's the lineup. The, the 11 is out. And we saw we saw the 4-4-2. We saw the double strikers. We saw Jordi Alcivar in, in place of T.T. Ortiz. We saw Fuchs back in at left back. We saw everything we wanted to see. And like I said, you you just kind of perked up. Like, I know we, we had plenty of confidence. We'd, we'd been getting fairly sauced earlier, you know, at the Hooligans Elizabeth, so let's not deny that. But there was there was a spark from the moment that 11 dropped. Yeah, by the way, we pulled off the brace as well. I've talked about that on the show. We did the Hooligans brace from Elizabeth into Uptown and then Swiderski followed with a brace of his own. Right, You Great could tradition. say yeah. that, you know, <laughs> we, it, was a, it was a brace kind of day in the, in the QC and we started things with that, but that double striker just was everything and something that you like brought up we should do and we did it and it worked out it was a, the reason why i perked up is because you know the more we talk about soccer the more we talk about formations the more we talk about tactics there are certain moments where you need to go for it and a lineup reflects that go for it mentality mm -hmm. and as soon as i saw that 11 i said holy shit we're going for it i remember what you said you said Balls to the wall soccer. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. let's go. Let's like, go. That, that, yeah. That's what he was setting yeah. up to do. Yeah. And like, that's why it was, you know, six minutes in, it was just like, holy shit, they scored. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a beautiful move. It was, uh, you've seen probably the videos on Twitter if you're following. 
you've seen like the 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 posts that say, "Wow, look at all these passes to set up this play." Like, I think it was 21 passes. Uh, not 10 of the 11 players touched the ball before Carroll's first goal, and it was that great long through ball from Kalina. After you know, we took a throw in and like worked it all the way back. No, they and, took a throw in, and then and the reason why the reason why I'm correcting you, and I and, and I don't like to correct you, but the reason why I'm correcting you because I was going to make a point about the throw in. Okay, and. Everyone's going to talk about the buildup. 10 of 11 players touching the ball. Mm-hmm. MAR style football. Right. The reason why Charlotte FC had the ball in the first place is because the opposition had a throw in deep in their own territory. And instead of just allowing them to get out of their own zone and have possession, it was full court press. Right. It was a press. Right. We have to talk about that as well. This team pressed New England into oblivion right Mm -hmm. it wasn't a sit back and let them control possession and have them dictate the game we were pressing and and when when we threw that ball in on that near the corner flag on the supporters section end of the field i i saw swiderski wave everybody up come Mm -hmm. here let's get into the corner let's Mm -hmm. turn them over and as soon as that ball got thrown in, they turned him over quickly, regained possession, moved it back to Kalina. Right. And that's when the MAR bar, ball started. But you got to give the defense right. credit. And Kalina sent that just that driving, powerful, like 70 yard ball, like straight over, like low and over the top, skidding through the air, hit Rios in stride, which was like that second striker, like I said. Target man. Because that's what caught New England off guard. You heard MAR say it in the postgame presser that. They expected us in a 4-3-3, so I came out in a 4-2-4-2, and he said, you know, that's part of the game that I'm playing with these, with you know, with this club, and it worked out because they weren't quite ready for it. They're focused on Swiderski, and then Rios resets the play, starts an offensive possession, works to the other side, and then a run by Rios of 30 seconds later sort of freed up the space that Carroll moved into to receive that pass from Franco. It all worked out brilliantly. We're going to be back later in the week with the second episode. Just want to get that out there now. Um, And the reason why is because we've got another home match against FC Cincinnati on Saturday. It's a winnable match. Six points out of back-to-back games at home. A week ago, you might have said Dreamland. But now Mm -hmm. it's a real possibility. Can we count on the 4-4-2? What do we expect that formation to look like? We'll get into that later in the week. But first, one thing that we want to do is talk about the changes in the lineup. One that, one that specifically that we didn't expect, right? Alcivar. Correct. The Prince. King Carroll, Prince Alcivar, you know, the, the young DP on the team had not made much of an impact. You know, he saw a little bit of a spell for a few minutes at DC, then was out for two games. I think it's that Adam Armour example from the Atlanta game where Miguel Angel said, you know, Adam showed up in practice this week and just made, made he was he went from out of the lineup to a, a, a uh, impact sub. I think Alcivar took that example, took some inspiration from that. He had to have worked his way into the lineup through the week of practice and gotten himself ahead of T.T. Ortiz in the uh, pecking order. And he got an assist. Right. A great assist. I mean, just an absolutely beautiful play. I mean, the that's on the bender goal. He had the, the little back heel flip assist. You know, he was running into great open space from an awesome through ball from King Carroll. Uh, you know, set up mind bender for the, for the goal. I mean, it, it, was, it was everything we wanted to see. And from that point on... Uh, that third goal, it was a par- it was a nonstop party in the stands. You know, the the timeline of the game was like an instant peak from having uh, the early goal, uh, the party at halftime. We were oh, yeah. loving it. Uh, you know, at Let's halftime. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the supporter section bar in right. Bank of America Stadium. Right. Underneath the supporter section, great great area, big wide open bars, tons of food options. 
You can lots of little fridges. You can go just like get your own beer. So you're not really waiting in line. It's nice. Huge televisions. And you know, the Blue Fury came through and started banging drums, and it was it was a fiesta underneath the stands. It was awesome. Listen, you know, if you think that I'm sitting in the stands with a notepad taking notes about the match. <laughs> I'm not, you know. I'm there like the rest of you are. I'm, I'm there to party. You, you wouldn't be time. able to read them afterwards. <laughs> my, my, my rewatch will come uh, later this week, and I'll discuss it uh, on our next podcast. But, you know, for the match, listen, listen we wanted to celebrate. I, I texted you guys after that first goal. I said, you know, because I'm up in Section 342, and Danny with our friend Matt was down in the supporter section. I said, hey, I'm coming down there. I'm coming behind the supporter section. I'm going to buy beers. Let's celebrate. Yep. We scored a goal. Our first ever halftime lead. Yeah, let's exactly go. right. Let's let's go down there and, and, and hang out and have a good time. So by the time we got back up uh, to our section, my wife and I, Rachel, and you guys went back into the supporter section, the, the second half started off in, in a way that, that, that felt comfortable. And then Christian McCalina made his first mistake ever. Right. As a Charlotte FC goalkeeper. And really, it was a bad Bronico mistake, I feel. I think Bronny Bro left him out to dry with a, with a rough bag pass. They kind of got caught in, in the middle between uh, Carujo and Kalina. And it was, a, it was a rough situation. Kalina didn't make the best. He kind of made a mess of it, though. I thought it was it was a hair on fire moment for everybody on the in the defensive line for just a moment for sure. I saw some people say that he was lucky it wasn't a red card. I never felt that it was red in the moment. Just no. if anything, maybe a yellow. Yeah, but not. It wasn't a denial of a obvious goal scoring opportunity. It was just no, a, and you can't you can't get the penalty and the red card. Basically, is what is is the unwritten rule of the whole thing. They're never gonna they're not gonna double jeopardy you on a play like that. So. If it had been outside the box, I could see him maybe getting a red card and getting sent off because it was in the box and turned into just a penalty kick. Yeah, so in my mind, we kind of escaped that moment. Sure, of and, course. And, you know, it's, it was one of those situations where all of a sudden it's 1-1. We're not yet at the 50th minute or at the 60th minute, excuse right. me. Hearts sink at that moment. You're like, oh, my, we're in for a fight here. All our joy has evaporated. We're... All of a sudden, it's 1-1. We're not leading against the defending Eastern Conference uh, best record, against the Supporter Shield record setters. And what was so great, though, what made it such an awesome night is that we only experienced that negative feeling for just a few short minutes, really, because it wasn't much longer until Svederski and Bender went down and connected on a beautiful, another beautiful goal, another left-footed strike from King Carroll. Three and, minutes in between. Right. That's it. That's what you want. I always say, like, if you can guarantee me that I'm going to win, then I love to fall behind because I love that feeling of coming back. You know, I love that. I love to have my heart sink and then be right, brought right back up. And that, that's, you know, exactly what happened in this scenario. We're going to get into the final 30 minutes of the match, 35 or so plus minutes. Carol Swiderski's on the score sheet at 57. Uh, Bender gets on the score sheet at, at 64. There is five changes after that. We're going to talk about the changes. We're going to talk about the substitutes, um, how they performed as well. But before we head into the break, the, the last point that I wanted to make about uh, the fans, the supporters, the people that showed up, the second uh, largest crowd in the MLS on Saturday, 29,000 people in Bank of America Stadium. Only Atlanta had more people on Saturday in their 3-3 draw against Montreal, which, by the way... Proud of you, Charlotte, by the way, but yeah. Come on, Montreal. 3-1, you're up at the end. Finish him. Finish him, Montreal. Come on, you can't let that happen. A big concern of mine was going into Saturday night 
and being underwhelmed by the atmosphere. Seeing a Charlotte franchise once again not necessarily get supported by its community. And boy, was I wrong. The place was electric and the supporters group, and by the way, the the TIFO that was made, if you noticed, the hornet's nest of rebellion, they had like a little um, drawing of a hornet's nest. Yeah. Right? Like how you would draw like, yeah, a, yeah. like almost like a honeycomb. Like a hive, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a honeycomb looking thing. Yeah. Like, and within every single part of that nest was the logo for all the different supporters groups right. in town. Right. That's awesome. So it was That's a co- synergy and like, and everyone working together. Yes. And we have a lot of different supporters groups for yes. sure, but they work together very well. I'm very impressed. That that atmosphere of coming together, being there for the squad, showing up for that second match, being ready to party, is only going to carry over. How about the tradition that you were hoping for came to pass as well? Was the singing of the anthem because they set it up just in the first game. If you missed it. The game against Galaxy, the microphone accidentally went out due to some technical difficulties, so the crowd <laughs> belted out. Disguise. Yeah, belted out the anthem. Now it's all of a sudden it's our tradition because they they set it up intentionally that way against New England and it was worked awesome. Well, I don't necessarily know, and this is why I bowed down to the the guy. I think he was a contestant on The Voice or American Idol. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just like as D-list celebrity as you're ever going to find, who was doing the national anthem, and I bowed down to him afterwards because he was booked to sing the song to sing the anthem and someone got in his ear and told him like hey just start it and let the fans do the rest and he could have been like hey I'm coming here to sing the anthem I'm going to sing the anthem but he said no right let the fans do it. I I will I will allow the fans to do it. Any any follow. He's through. saying the first couple lines and just teed us up and, and everyone went nuts and I, I screamed it. You know I mean the, the Star Spangled Banner is what it is. Uh, it's not an easy song to sing is what most professional singers will say. <laughs> I guarantee you anybody that heard my version of it in the stands that night is never going to confuse me for a professional singer. But I had a damn good time. You have to ask Matt Gesslin who was with me about what he thought of my version because I, I screamed it at the top of my lungs. It was incredible. So, on the other side of the break, we've got debuts. Derek Jones, he's in. Anton Walks, he's in. We're going to talk about player ratings as well. Take a look at who was the highest rated player on the pitch. Swiderski, clearly that. Part of the MLS team of the week. But who's the lowest rating player on the pitch? Are there some potential moves to be made before Saturday evening against Cincinnati? Who could potentially come out of the lineup? What did MAR say after the matchup? His quotes just continue to be absolute fire. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. We're back after this. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams with you. We're at OMB Brewery here. And we're each on our second hornet's nest. It's a great beer. The hornet's nest of rebellion. Uh, I might get that yeah. tatted somewhere. I, I'm getting the, those pumpkin and spice notes strong. Would right you get now. a Charlotte yeah. FC tat? Uh, I, if I was going to get a, any tat, I would definitely consider Charlotte FC. Just tattoos never my thing. I don't know. Not, like Kim Kardashian said, you don't put a bumper sticker on a Bentley. <laughs> oh man, that is not something I expected <laughs> to hear on the podcast today. Um, but 
I'll tell you this. If, if Charlotte FC wins the Supporters' Shield, I will get a Charlotte FC tattoo. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't care when it is. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I will get um, a Supporters' Shield we haven't tattoo. Been, we have not been mathematically eliminated. The reason why I don't care as much about MLS Cup as I do Supporters' Shield is because, you've heard me say in the past, I respect kind of like a long campaign. Right. Right. Uh, knowing me and earning it over the course of, you know, a long MLS season, especially too, five, six months usually. Right. I think it just signifies how great of a season that you've had and how particularly well a club was managed. And it takes an entire organization to win the supporter shield. So in that light, knowing that New England was coming off of that. Right. And that Charlotte SC took it to them at home expectations for the club this season may have changed a little bit. Well, For sure. We said we were going to talk about the final 30 minutes. Right. And How the game ended up. Because it was just a party in the stands. I mean, I was paying attention, but I was barely paying attention. We had a two-goal lead. I was sauced. I was having a grand old time. I was chanting. I was jumping up and down. and But things were happening on the pitch, and some guys got their de- debuts that we had not seen play for Charlotte yet. Right. So after Ben Bender scored in the 64th minute, with that, that nice assist from Al Savar that we talked about. Beautiful back um, We had two players come in rather quickly after that goal. Sergio Ruiz comes in for Brant Bronico. Christian Ortiz, TT Ortiz, comes in for Daniel Rios. Like for like. For the most part. I mean, Rios has about two feet of height, I think, on TT. But yeah, but T- yes. Generally, like for like, for sure. Kiki's not playing defense, and either is Rios. Right, and that's why yeah. I say like for like. And the problem was Bronico had played just about all the defense he had left in him. He was not not his best game, unfortunately, for Bronny Bro. I well, think he was a needed sub at that time. He was, and, but he and, gave his all for sure. And we, everyone in that midfield deserves credit for just completely making Carlos Heel disappear. He had the penalty kick, and he had one late chance in, in stoppage time that Kalina made a sick save on. But other than that, I, I hardly ever saw him in the entire match, and he was wearing those ugly bright orange shoes, so it was hard to miss. Sebastian Legette came off the field in the 72nd minute. I can't remember one impact play that he had. No, that's th- and that was that was huge because Legette's just one of those guys you never want to let him beat you because he just you look at him and you're like, how can this guy beat me? I, I, we said in previous episodes, uh, if you go back and listen, how much we don't like him as part of the U.S. men's national team. Seemed like a weird acquisition for New England at the time, and I'm glad we were able to make him a non-impact factor for sure. I just want to follow up on my comment from last week's pod about Ben Bender and Sebastian Legette. I may have undersold Ben Bender. He's better than Sebastian Legette. He's a mind bender, baby. I mean, he the number one pick. We know how to fucking draft. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> let's go. Like, yeah. uh, I, I'm in love with Ben Bender. I think most of the fan base is at this point for sure. That kick of the corner flag is apparently his M.O., something the that... Signature, signature celebration. Yeah, so we can, we can expect more of that at Bank of America Stadium. But anyway, I just wanted to throw in there that Legette played for 72 minutes and basically made no impact on the right. game. Uh, and, and it's and, because Bronico was poorly rated, but he gave so much effort. I just want to reiterate that. Alcivar was given effort. Franco was given effort. And when those subs came in that you mentioned, it was because they were needed at the time because our guys were spent. They gave it their all. And that's one thing that you can count on. Like, trust me, I said that I would run through a wall for MAR. These guys are running through walls uh, for MAR. So, in the 75th minute, this is when things started to get a little bit interesting. Derek Jones 
makes the, his debut. The destroyer that we want him to grow. We, we if he becomes Derek the destroyer, we're going to be in very good shape for sure. Clearly, the biggest player on the pitch mm -hmm. for Charlotte FC, outside of Guzman mm -hmm. and McCoon. Yep, and fitting in well, like. In the post-game celebrations, I don't want to skip ahead, but in the post-game celebrations, Jones was jumping in, and they were having a great old time with Jones. He just joined this group, as, uh, so that shows that they're a really good group that can integrate a new member like that really quick and bring him into the into the mix. That's uh, one of those things. Camaraderie wise, I, I think Brams. That's one of those things that shouldn't be undersold. Not at all. It should be over. It should be sold to the hilt. Everybody works in a team. Think about your work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. Think about what your office is like. Mm -hmm. When there's a new person in the office, how is that person treated? Right. Sometimes like an alien, sometimes like an outsider, someone that has to earn their keep. And yeah. I've always thought that that was a bad culture. Yeah. New people should be embraced. Right. They should be welcomed and they should be made to feel like they are a part of the existing crew. And this as squad, quickly as possible. And this squad clearly did that immediately he was in training this week he showed up and by the way we talked about his height he's a dominating figure you're not gonna stand next to that guy and be like hey you're not worth anything right. you're gonna be like holy right. shit dude i do right. not want to go up for a ball against you in the box because right. you're probably gonna win i mean i'll never know what he did in houston to, to find himself at the end of the bench with no opportunity to come in because i feel like we got a steal right now getting him for a very small acquisition fee so it was a really good sub, and, then, and at the same time, Ben Bender um, got his curtain call as well mm -hmm. in the 75th minute. Adam Armour comes in. I love that substitution. Bender yeah. for Armour. Yeah. Just like 19-year-old comes in for a 21-year-old, and it just kind of shows the depth of the squad. You know, and you, I'm an Adam Armour fan, so I was just like really happy to see after his and performance. Armour was asked to do something a little different than he was in the Atlanta game where he was subbed in. Here it was more about protecting a lead than trying to go out and get a lead. So yeah, he didn't shine quite as much, but well, he, no, he, he shows took care his of business. versatility. Yeah, he took care of business. You, you can bring him on to score a goal, mm -hmm. and you could bring him on to protect a lead. Sure. That is like significant versatility. And finally, in the 86th minute, the final change of the match, we, we, we said that Bender got his curtain call, Carol Swiderski. Not only did he get his curtain call he got his victory lap it was incredible he he was he was sort of took a knockdown on the far edge of the field farthest away from the benches so he was getting treatment and uh, you know it was off the pitch while play was going on then he was officially subbed a couple minutes later so he got to take the long slow walk all the way around the back of the goal hit both corners of the, of the big fan sections he was getting so much love raining down on from the supporter section it was King Carol, King Carol. Like it was, it was. People were loving him. He was, he was returning the love, and that was an awesome moment. Like it was a curtain call and a victory lap, exactly like you described it. it he, and he had a giant grin on his face the entire time. It was awesome to see. You, you could argue that uh, armor for Bender isn't a like for like. You could argue that Jones and Alcibar isn't a like for like. But I view those more of a like for like than walks for Swiderski. That was pure defend the lead. That, that, that was the 86th yeah. minute. Let's get uh, walk some PT. Mm -hmm. Let's get him on the pitch with these guys, and let's just make sure we get out of here with a, with a W. And I was watching to see kind of where walks fit in, because at that point we basically had three center backs plus Fuchs, who's kind of a center back by, uh, by default almost at that point. 
So it was almost like we had four center backs at that point for the last five, ten minutes of the match with stoppage time. And it was interesting to just sort of check their communication, see how they were working together. I still think I don't know. What do you think? You think Walks is going to find himself a starter some point soon? Yeah, he's going to start this Saturday. Oh, because McCoon's going on international break. There you go. Boom. Yeah. So, which is, that's awesome. That I, I like that MLS keeps a few games going during the international break, and I'm really happy that we get to be one of them because the, the international breaks are such a soccer drought, unfortunately, especially at this late stage. There's some huge U.S. men's national team games coming up that we'll probably get into in a in a very near future episode, but. Uh, the European stuff is pretty much there's not a lot of action so it's nice that we get MLS during this time as well and I'm loving the fact that we get to go see Charlotte Cincinnati on Saturday me too Um, so I think you're going to see Walks get the start on Saturday against uh, Cincinnati we'll be back with another another episode this week um, to make sure we get you primed and ready for another party at Bank of America Stadium and there's two more um Actions during the match that I think that are worth talking about is that in the 89th minute, Alan Franco gets a time-wasting yellow card. That's my fucking guy right there. Well, waste some time. Dude, if he got a yellow to spare, give it up. He goes the full 90, and in the 89th minute, he's like, oh, I'm going to take my sweet-ass time because I'm, I'm good. I played a clean 90. Um, I have contributed this to this game. We said that we wanted to give guys props for going the full 90. And that's who we want to hand. We need to come up with an award. Like, who is the player that went the full 90 that deserves to be propped up? Because, you know, with, with five substitutions, you're going to have mm-hmm. six guys that do it. Keeper's always going to play 90. So, sorry, Kalina, you're never going to get the award for this one. But is it Franco that gets the full 90 award? Is it McCoon? Is it Carujo? Is it Fuchs? I gotta is give it, it up. Lindsay? I gotta get ooh, Lindsay played a great game. I mean, what was his uh, sofa score rating? Seven point four. It's I mean, a very he, good rating. He's, a he's an absolute beast. And what I love about Lindsay is just the way that he, even the, from a fullback position, he's not afraid to cross, but he doesn't waste a cross. And he'd much rather, you know, do a dribble or an interior pass. I think we talked about that a little bit, but I just love that for this team. He do, he doesn't just like send mindless crosses in the box with his head down. Um, but yeah, I would give the award to Franco, and I would name the award after Franco probably. But uh, yeah. you know, he had the early assist and was just a beast the whole game. He had the time wasting yell at the end, which was just a heads up smart play. I love Alan Franco. We're gonna miss him very much against FC Cincinnati because he's also going on international duty to go play with Ecuador. So we're gonna see some squad rotation. Yep. We're gonna see some guys, potentially Derek Jones in for Alan Franco, uh, Bronnie Bro. He's somebody, along with Christian Fuchs, and this is the last thing we'll get into today. We're going to save the negative for the final part of the podcast here. And we'll tell you why next. Christian Fuchs, we all love him. He's our team dad. But how long can this play at left back last? It's not where we want him to play. It's where he has to play because there's nobody else to do that job. And we'll tell you why he was the lowest rated player on the field and what Charlotte FC could potentially do to help him out in that role that's coming up next. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're back for our final segment on this beautiful 
now Monday evening. It's happy hour at OMB Beer Garden. Spring is back in Charlotte. It feels amazing. It, it's just so nice out here. There, there's something that has happened this year. Maybe it's Charlotte FC. I don't know what it is, but it just hits different, right? There's no baseball in Charlotte. Well, you have the Knights. <laughs> there's no baseball in Charlotte. <laughs> and every time spring rolls around, it's like, well, yeah, we're spring's here, so let's just like hang out for the next six months, five months, and waiting for the Panthers to kick off. And because you know the Hornets aren't going to do anything in the playoffs if they make it. So Charlotte FC not only has like the ability to be popular with the fan base, but from a business point of view, it has the ability to own March through August. Yeah. So that opportunity there, beautiful weather in the springtime, obviously hot weather in the summertime. Hopefully the, the club does something to make sure that we're not kicking off before 5 p.m. during the summer months. I think that would be an, a really important thing to consider for the supporters. It's night be games. Hot. Night it's, games, baby. Night games. It's a fucking party, right? Yeah. Yep. If you want to party, you're going to party at night. You're not going to party at 2 in the afternoon. Please. But we know. We both work in the business. We know how that works. TV dictates everything. You'll, you'll play when ESPN or FS1 tells you to. Yeah, and if you keep winning, there's a good chance a lot of our Saturday games will get moved to Sundays, you know, for, for national television windows and stuff like that, depending on the matchup. So. so the one thing that we wanted to talk about to finish off the pod today was... It's a tough conversation. It is. It's a conversation that I don't think a lot of people want to have because he's the captain. He's our most popular player, and he's somebody that is going above and beyond at the left-back position to make this new formation work. He's team dad, Christian Fuchs. But the problem is he goes the full 90. So, right, he's in consideration for the Mm -hmm. full 90 award, and we appreciate that. But it was the – that's a problem, him going the full 90. If you look at what happened in Atlanta when he got beat by Mulraney on the dribble, and you look at what happened against New England where he was the lowest-rated player, made a few, you know, dicey plays and just seemed to run out of gas again – this is a guy that we need to be part of the team. We can't not win without him. Correct. But we also don't want to be relying on him to be the defensive stopper in the 90th minute when we're trying to protect one-goal leads and, and, tie, and you know, tie matches to preserve draws and things like that. So what do we do about this? How do we help him out? Right. This isn't a segment that says Christian Fuchs, lowest-rated player on the field, who replaces him? No. The conversation now becomes right. how do you help him out? If he needs to play left back, what do you do in the formation to give him a little bit of cover? Do you change it to a back three? Do you put Adam Armour in front of him like they did in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Who Somebody that can track back and cover him? Ben Bender at this point, I don't want him thinking about defense for a minute. He's an offensive player. He's right. somebody that gets assists. And he is having goals. to track back, like we referenced last episode. Like he, he is getting back sometimes to cover for Fuchs on the left wing. So it's tough. He's got to be you're the, the expert. Pitch. You're the, you're the you're the guy that that knows how these players tick. That know well, how these formations work. What do you do with Christian Fuchs, knowing that he's providing you leadership? He is somebody that Mar doesn't want to take off the field, but. At his old age of 35, and I have no mm-hmm. problem saying that on this Charlotte soccer show. Sure. 35 is not old. But when you play professional soccer, I'm sorry, it is. What do you do with him? How do you cover him? I mean, you know, you've, if you listen to the show, you know that I am 
an experimental type that would love to put him in the in the defensive midfield in a double pivot role. Uh, that doesn't seem to be really where MAR's head is at, so I'm not going to keep harping on something that's never going to happen. But I do think that would be an interesting experiment. Uh, I also think in the very near-term future, you know, we don't, we're not going to preview the full Cincinnati matchup today, but when we do play Cincinnati, I'll just hint that I believe we'll probably switch back to a back three with the two wingbacks, back three slash back five, when we uh, face off against them because Miguel has shown he's not afraid to change his formation game to game based on the matchup, and I think Cincinnati's a team where you want to lock down the wings because they attack from the wings. So if that were to happen, that would give Fuchs a little more cover. Maybe he's playing one of three center backs instead of two. That's an option. I also think you could tell him, look, you know, you're just going to be a 60-minute man. You could say, give us everything you got for 60, and then we'll bring someone in for you at that point so you're not dying at the end of games. I don't, I don't know. Well, Armour? Armour could play left back. Right. Armour played behind him for the independence, for sure. But, but Armour came in for Bender. Right. Bender stays on for nine. So far, Armour is subbed in, a, in front of Fuchs, like you've been saying it's been working out. Yeah, but Fuchs can't play 90 minutes at left back for 10 consecutive matches. He just can't. Right, I agree. Certainly not for you know 30 matches a season. And we'll get into this uh, later this week on the pod, and and that is Brams is on to something here with the back three, especially with the absence of McCoon, especially with the absence of, of Franco, and Anton walks in mm-hmm. line to get his first start. Three mm-hmm. at the back, Guzman in the middle, mm-hmm. walks on the right. Fuchs on the left, right. protected by armor in that wing back position. Right. Feels like Lindsay a good on the other round. wing. Then you got a strong, solid back five that is capable of, of switching offense to defense through armor and Lindsay, or excuse me, yeah. defense to offense. And uh, yeah, that, that's you know, that, spoiler alert. That's what I'll probably be predicting us to, to go with in the next episode. We'll see. Yeah. So, but we have a lot to talk about as but, far as where the midfield looks. Does Bronny Bro get replaced by Derek Jones? Does Alan Franco, obviously he needs a replacement as well. Who comes in there? There's going to be a lot of changes mm-hmm. for, for Saturday's match against Cincinnati, and that's exciting. We'll be back later in the week uh, with a podcast to preview and predict that match, we'll let y'all know what we're doing on Saturday, um, pregame. And we're going large. Yeah, we are, we are going New large. England, I, kind of, I mean, I, I went pretty, pretty – I went bigger than I thought I was going to originally for New England, but – I'm expecting to go very large for Cincinnati, so we'll see. But so, we got to talk about the the post game scenes, yes, and the taking and all that. The day after, the day know. after, when you woke up Sunday morning, right? right? It's like everybody who went to the match in Charlotte on Saturday night leaves the Bank of America Stadium feeling good, maybe feeling a little drunk, and maybe feeling a little bit faded. And you wake up, you come to it on Sunday morning. And You're a winner. You wake up a winner. Not only do you wake up a winner, it was like I could not get enough Charlotte FC content. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was look at their Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was, do was see MAR's quotes. Mm-hmm. This is not typical of a sports organization. Like This is super unique what's happening right now. And I want to give a shout out to the Charlotte FC social team. I want to give a shout-out to the Charlotte FC media team. Mm-hmm. The photographers, who, by the way, it's like an all-female squad right. that They're works for the club. There yeah. was like eight saw that, yeah. women who were capturing the action That's groundbreaking. on Saturday night. It was incredible to see. And then you've got you know, Caleb Adams, who I think does a nice job. 
writing content for Charlotte FC. Yep. If, if you want to look this, at, at some tactical analysis, you know what's really nice? When you work for the club, you get rights to the video. Yep, yeah. So he's somebody that you can follow as well to not only see the, the impact moments, but the build-up moments, the plays that matter, the things that happen leading up to the goal. And then you got just the pure emotional moments as far as like the radio calls, Will Pelagic and Jess Chapman, like absolutely killing it uh, uh, in the radio booth. I, I can't wait. Eventually, I, I tweeted this, I think, like I've been lucky enough to see all the games from inside the stands so far, but eventually I'm going to have to watch a Charlotte FC game on TV for the first watch, for the live watch. And when I do, I can guarantee you I'll be tuning up at WFNZ so I can listen listen to the radio broadcast while I watch the TV broadcast, simulcast it up. I do like what they're doing with the virtual TV broadcast to fill in the stands on the TV. Oh, I think that's really, yes, really cool. Yes, that's production quality. Yeah, that's high quality. Not, and it's honestly, it's yeah. like um, at the forefront of television production quality. Right, exactly. How they basically turned the upper bowl into a green screen. Because when they tweeted earlier in the, in the day, they, they showed a picture of the pitch. They said, it's, it's match day. Here it is. This is where it's going to happen. And a lot of people replied to that tweet and they said, not covering the upper deck? Not mm-hmm. covering the upper deck, yeah. going to look bad on TV. Little did we know right. that they were at the forefront of media technology, right. and they uh, made it look it, awesome. Imagine, all the, imagine that we didn't do it like all the other MLS teams, but it worked out all right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, why would you hire a European agent slash scout to go over there to Poland to get one of the best players in MLS? Why would you right. do that? And then send him to go get his other Polish buddy, you know, from the English Championship League to come over and join us. Give me yeah. a break. Yeah. This, this club is different. It, it's building in a very unique way. And I think established people in the MLS are starting to take note, not, not, not just about what's happening on the field, but what's happening off the field in Bank of America Stadium. And that win on Saturday night, what it will translate to is a wild atmosphere on Saturday. Oh, yeah. For FC Cincinnati. I still feel like we're not getting the respect we deserve, though, because I still feel like all the the same people who were writing Charlotte off as a shit club, you know, two weeks ago, now we've got this win over New England under our belts, and they're like, oh, well, you know, New England had the CONCACAF Champions League, and they came from Mexico, and they played at altitude, and, you know, oh, they're missing Gustavo Bo, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we kicked their ass. Like, like it wasn't some flukish win that, like, took advantage of a wounded animal. We dominated them from start to finish. Let me just throw some shade real quick. So, Chicago Fire. They beat Sporting KC on Saturday, 3-1. to one. And when you look at the standings, you're like, wow. Chicago Fire, they're up there. Fifth in the MLS. Uh, when it comes to the Eastern Conference, they're in third place, obviously in a playoff spot. Do you know how many people were at the Chicago Fire game on Saturday? Half a dozen? <laughs> 8,000. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, they never draw. They hate us because they ain't us. Don't forget that as this season rolls on. There's going to be a lot of clubs. There's going to be a lot of fan bases. There's going to be a lot of supporters that are, with, with, without another phrase to say, that are jealous mm-hmm. of what's happening in Charlotte. That They look at what we're doing here and say, man, I wish my club was doing that. We've given props to the right people. And I want to give props to one other person. Nick Kelly. God bless him. He is, like, unhinged on Twitter a little bit. And I think that's why I love him. Right, he's got a bigger chip on his shoulder than we do. He does. And you can tell that he loves the club. 
He works for Tepper Sports and Entertainment in an executive role. And trust me, he's got the ear of David Tepper. So he's somebody that wants this club to succeed. I think this club's success reflects positively on him, and he knows that. And when you think about the way a front office is built, it's very good to have somebody like that in an important role that understands success for the club is success for me, and we're going to go down this road together. And it's not just a money-making experience. Oh, yeah, the the tickets are expensive. There's no doubt about that. But from where I sit, from my money on Saturday night, worth every dollar. Yep. Couldn't, Couldn't agree more. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. We're going to be back later this week for another episode, a full preview and prediction of Saturday's match against FC Cincinnati, a huge Eastern Conference match, one that, by the way, I'm not going to let you forget about this. I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. I, I've been guaranteeing a, a multiple goal win for several weeks here. So, yeah, although, the, teaser, there is, a, there is reason to walk that back maybe just a step or two. We'll, we'll get into that next episode. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. Follow us on Twitter at John Hayes on air, at Danny Brams. Leave us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. It helps us get the word out for the show. Uh, leave us a review as well. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. For the crown, baby. <laughs>